Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, day 10 of the Australian Open is in the book. Certainly in terms of singles, there are, of course, some sensations still out on the Rod Laver Arena. Olivia Gadecki and Marcel Polmans currently in sensational action in the mixed doubles. We'll keep you posted on their progress against some player, Luisa Stefani and uh, Rafael Matos. Yep. Over the course of this podcast... They're losing because it's in Stefani. soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis news. But in terms of singles, our full semi-final lineup is set. We're here at Tennis Podcast Towers Melbourne at 10.33pm. A mere 10.33pm. David's here. Hello, hello David. Hello, hello. Matt's here. Hello. And Pam Shriver is here. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Pam. How are you doing? Great to be with you. I'm fine. I'm, uh, it's been quite the Australian Open. What a 10 days you have had, Pam. We don't know how to refer to Pam anymore. Is a pundit, coach, podcaster, advocate, all these things. Former player, champion. Yeah. So many words. My favourite moment of the tournament still is Pam correcting Matt <laughs> on our WhatsApp group about the number of Grand Slams that she won. <laughs> and and I think David had me as a, just a US Open semi-final. I know. <laughs> That's okay. I know. That's all right. Ooh, I did. Well, I didn't, I didn't know about right. this. I did. <laughs> and I knew, the thing is, I, I didn't even know I'd said it until David, I heard it back later. Like, okay. I it was only in 1978. It's I okay. I, and I said it to Magdalene Lynette. So she's now thinking, oh, no. <laughs> Note to self, Pam holds grudges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. Pam, your, um, your newest job title in amongst those that Matt listed is coach, super coach, dare I say. Um in, in, in Donna Vekic's team, all the way to the quarterfinals today, um, ran out of road against Arena Sabalenka. Two straight sets for Sabalenka today. She'll play in the semi-final. She'll play against Magda Lynette. We'll We'll talk about that matchup in a minute. Matt and I watched this match from the press box. David watched it from best seats in the house in the five live commentary box. You watched it from the players' box. I say, I say Matt and I watched it from the press box we were mostly watching you watch the match <laughs> I was like oh look Pam's up Pam's on her feet <laughs> what's, she, what's she saying to the coach <laughs> keep speaking to him in his ear before we give any thoughts on the match what are yours 
Well, first off, I mean, I I hadn't lived through this kind of stress at a major since I played it um, many, many years ago. So it was phenomenal to be along for the ride to see the way Donna rose the occasion. First round, she had to sleep on a 5-1 match tiebreak lead on the uh, day two when we had the extreme heat, two rain delays. It was about midnight. She faced adversity, and that first rounder was able to win it in the match tiebreak, I think, 10-7. More adversity against Frivitova, and correct me, say, say the right pronunciation, please. Frivitova. Thank you. I love the way you do that. That, that, was, that was good. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of adversity in the fourth round match, and, you know, in between Sansonova and Perez-Diaz, she played more solid. And then today... You know, on labor, quarterfinals are only her second one. One of her big weapons didn't show up, which was the serve. And in, I, I've only seen her play in person as in her, in her player box for two tournaments. It was the first time I'd seen her serve not be there. It was a little frustrating because now you can coach. And Nick and I could not for the life of, of us figure out the keys that could help her unlock the problem. So there was more responsibility in the coaching box this year, which was fine. I'm all for it. Um, but that was frustrating that we couldn't help her and she couldn't figure it out. But overall, what a great result to be one of the last five women standing out of 128. I, th- I thought it was an amazing effort. And, and our impression was exactly the same. In the, rally, in the rallies, Donna was right there, wasn't she? It was toe-to-toe, really. I mean, the... the the serve was completely decisive. I mean, Arena Sabalenka is so strong on serve. Actually, her the numbers today for her percentage-wise, I, I went back and looked at them after the match. They weren't that great for Sabalenka, but it felt like every time she really needed the first serve, it it was there. And it must it must be so disempowering for a player to have technically the one element of the game that is completely within your control desert you like that i can't imagine what that what that feels like i'm looking at you matt i don't know why that's lost his backhand this week pam which must be a similar feeling he's trying to develop a backhand drop shot though after watching uh donna all tournament yes um, i need a new list don't i yeah. because donna vekic's backhand drop shot caught my eye in her previous matches actually and and she used it quite a bit today again on the rod laver arena i i really enjoyed this match, I enjoyed the intensity of it. You know, both both players um, came out. I thought playing really, really well. I think they both had nine-minute holds of serve right at the start of the first set, which just just sort of showed how how prepared for sort of battle they were. I thought, and I think it was a six-three first set, wasn't it? But never has a set felt less like a sort of six-three. It was so and the whole scoreline. I mean, six-three, six-two. I think I left three or four. 3-1 or something like that to go and interview Magdalene but I looked at a stat line before I went and the, and Donna had had 14 break points to 13 of Sabalenka's and yet she's losing the match quite comprehensively on the scoreline is that what do you go back and debrief on you, I know you you spoke to her today but what do you do what do you how how much attention do you give a match like that in terms of the development for the future well, the debrief we had today was both um, a bit micro about just the quarterfinal today, but a lot of it was her whole effort down under and the big 
effort she's putting in at this part of her career, the team she's put together. Yannick, her uh, physical trainer, was incredible. Physical trainer and physical therapist really wrapped into one. Her primary coach, Nick Horvat. Um, so the four of us sat down together and we just sort of assessed the entire Australian Open, really, from that first match under great adversity to getting through to the quarters for the only second time in her career to where we go from here. So we actually didn't, we did talk about the, the specific shot that a bit about the serve and the frustration we found. We still, we're still going to look into, you know, was it something wrong with a toss? Was it the hit point? I mean, there was something clearly off because the timing, most of her faults were in the net, which to me, it looked like maybe the toss was a little further in front. It was dropping a little bit low. There certainly wasn't the same extension. You know, was it something visually about being on labor for the first time uh, in many years, even though she practiced there today? So we didn't really talk specifics about the match so much as about the big picture and keeping the momentum going forward. How good was Irina Sabalenka? today Pam I, I because Donna went into this match with a with a great head-to-head against her she still has a great head-to-head against her she still leads it 5-2 even with today's defeat so I, I asked her impress was there anything different about this Arena Sabalenka to the one you faced six times before and she really thought about it and she said she's calmer yeah calm which was interesting because calm when I asked Donna last night um, when we had our little chat I said what have you felt has been important when you've played Sabalenka to a 5-1 head-to-head. Because I saw one of them in San Diego. She actually beat her in the quarters there, the one tournament. I went to see her last year. And she said, I've, I've stayed really calm. So that was the same word that she described Sabalenka today. And I think that's accurate. I think under pressure today, Sabalenka was able to find some calmness that we haven't always seen from her through the years. Because I fell on most of the break points and a lot of the important points, Sabalenka really stood up to the pressure. And, you know, I feel like the fact that Sabalenka knows that her serve is going to hold up better. She knows she's got more power than most players. She's so athletic. Um, she's, she's playing a little freer and therefore calmer. So I think that's accurate. I'm completely fascinated about night before big match coaching chats, Pam. What what do they sound like? Well, I don't know what they sound like for anybody else, (laughs) but um, we just went for a walk after the team dinner last night. And um, we talked a little bit about the specifics, but the question I posed to Donna was really, I always think it's important to ask the question first, like, you know, what are you feeling or what have you felt in the past? Because I haven't played Sabalenka six times. I've only seen them play in person once before. And one thing I've learned about Donna Vekic is she's actually really insightful about her own information that she's gathered from matches. So I felt the main thing I needed to hear was what she had gathered and then kind of take that and build on it. And then obviously... You know, with someone like Donna, she's a she's a first strike player. She's a big shot pressure player, and you have to 
hope that your player can have her biggest shots come through in the big matches and the big moments. And for the most part, this Australian Open, I can't question how much they came through. And then I think today they actually worked pretty well, all except for the one shot. So then it's just trying to figure out, okay, when things start to go a little sideways with the serve, like I do need to figure out what are some message points, simple mantras that can help, whether it's, you know, the toss needs to be further back or you need to reach up more or have more slice, try more spin. She did try more spin. As soon as she tried more spin, Sabalenka just jumped on it even more. So it's like the wrong opponent to have your serve go off, but that's probably one of the reasons it went off. Were you trying to feed that back to her during the match? Because you can do that now, can't you? And you had... you. You, as coaches, have stat screens in front of you. Yeah, in we the did. Box now only on labor, so right. it was our first time. <laughs> and, and Nick did, and <laughs> did they give you like a tutorial? No, in the, right? Okay, <laughs> no. There's no tutorial. Um, you know, Nick and I spoke a bit about it. Nick again is her primary coach. He's been with her on and off for a few years, and we decided it would really not be wise to change up a lot of what we'd been doing. Like if suddenly she looks up to us and we're looking at a screen, that's, that doesn't seem right. So I, we, I did put on my reading glasses a few times and try and look at patterns, but to me it was more, really the service problem wasn't more like where she was serving. It was just something wrong, a little bit wrong with the technique. And whether it was the pressure or whatever it was, I didn't think the screen could tell me anything. She, she's an interesting player, Donna, because she's been in our consciousness for a long time now. It's a decade, really, because she was winning matches here when she was 16. Um, what, what do you think she wants from you? That she, I mean, it's been a long time that she's been trying to make that step, and she's reached one of the Grand Slam quarterfinals, and suddenly she's made another. Um, I just wonder, 20, what is it, 26? 26. It's, um, maybe she's in her prime now. And, um, and a, but, but, I mean, it's not been a straightforward trajectory, has it, all those years? No, it never is a straightforward trajectory. I think she's looking for some clarity about the green light, that it's, it's all in on your big game. Obviously, she does have, like, the, the great backhand drop shot. She does have some really solid, loopy defensive plays she can make. But her A game is to impose her power and her intimidating shots, like she ripped second serves uh, from the time I saw her play a couple of practice matches at Kuyong, including uh, actually going back to October in San Diego. That's what stood out to me is like I didn't, wasn't sure she realized how great her weapons were as a returner. And also I feel, despite today, I think she can become one of the top five servers on the WTA Tour. And if she can become one of the top five servers, as well as the return threat she has and her f- competitive fight, I think she has top 10 ability all over the place. It, it, something's just occurred to me. I know you listened to last night's podcast because you told us you were laughing out loud in the gym this morning at my my attempts to say various various different names, <laughs> my failed attempts. Ben Shelton, Ben Shelton. We'll get on to him later. Um, but we talked a lot about Victoria Azarenka and what she had to say in her post-match press conference last night. And it just strikes me that, you know, these so many players that have so much success so young and realising that it's taken Victoria Azarenka 10 years to come to terms with various experiences that she had 
as a young person with no life experience, no perspective really, and no help to process those experiences. And, you know, I moderated Donna Vekic's first ever press conference here at the Australian Open when she won her opening round match as a 16-year-old. She was brought into room two, which was a pretty big room for a, for an unknown player, and it was filled with British, all of the British press pack, of which there are quite a lot, because at the time she was coached by David Felgate, the British coach. She was based in the UK. She had a, a a very British accent when she spoke. I think it had been a disastrous tournament for the Brits elsewhere, and they were they were looking to adopt someone. And I remember Donna just looking around, thinking, "What are you all doing here? <laughs> what is this?" And I remember thinking, "What a weird." experience for someone so young and going to her press conference after her second round win I think it was here where I just went and shamelessly asked her about you Pam and we just had a a lovely chit chat about about you and she had wonderful things to say um I don't know just what a different person she seems to be now to 10 years ago and of course everybody changes over the course of 10 years but and I guess this is just life isn't it but oh what you'd give to be the 16-year-old with all the fearlessness that comes with that, but to have the perspective of being a 26-year-old. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's... But but I find it quite interesting because I feel like the best should be yet to come from her mm. still, given her skill set. I've watched her play and commentated on her for much of the last 10 years at various intervals and not quite understood what, what sort of player she is and what she's going to be. Do you, you clearly have in your mind now what that potential is. You've just said it, top 10. Um, and I just wonder how you get from where she is to where, where she's going to go. And, and is, is what you've seen here quite repeatable, I suppose? Well, I think as long as she continues to be the ultimate professional, which I think in this age of maturity at 26, she recognizes mistakes and things that maybe she could have done differently she's prepared now to do everything that it takes um look there's no there's no sure thing but I when I watched her in San Diego and again it was just to go chat with her it wasn't to help her or anything I was like whoa what is she doing outside the top you know 70 in the world much less the top 30 and even onward so boy I don't know I think to me the appeal was to find a player with maturity who has the ability to punish the opponent on the court um, and the ability to accept the coaching advice I was really impressed the whole time San Diego the week before here, Melbourne, how she would take information and apply it. Um, so it, it's really so many different aspects that makes you feel like somebody can really reach much higher than they are. And also, let me just say, I feel like I left some things on the table in my career that I, f- I feel like I can help give some insights to another player who's willing to learn what I maybe failed on. Pretty rewarding, I imagine. Yeah, to, to actually it is. It's kind of like a second serve. 
And for somebody who's respectful, she's been really respectful of me. My son came with me. My oldest son, George, came with me to San Diego. He's very perceptive of how people treat him and treat others. He recognized how well she treated him, not needing to. And so, I don't know, you put all that together. In the end, if you're going to help somebody, you want to also like them and appreciate them and respect them. So that's there as well. I know your coaching CV doesn't need a boost, Pam. You're you're riding high already. But uh, Matt and I were chatting to Simon Briggs earlier, and Matt and Simon played tennis this morning. How did that double? Was it a doubles match? It was doubles. We we didn't actually end up playing together. I played I played against Simon for a set, which I lost six three, and then against Simon again with a different partner, and we were four love up before we got rained off. And let me tell you, Pam, Simon was full of praise for the Matt Roberts forehand, and if I remember correctly, in Paris last year, he got a few tips on that forehand. Yeah. What, what was the best Pam. of it? The tip was spacing. You you told me to work on my spacing on my forehand, and I haven't played Simon since Roland Garros, and I've been working on my spacing, and he's impressed. So he really, has, Pam, he has lost his back backhand. I have so lost it my is, backhand. It is swings so and roundabouts. It is swings and roundabouts. But really, you know, you need to weigh up quarterfinal with Donovekic or Matt Roberts sorting out his spacing. What is your what is your best coaching achievement? Both equal. <laughs> They're the same. Have you got anything for David? Ooh, while, right. while your stock is high, Don't Pam. need any. That's a no. <laughs> that's a I no let's be, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm a Benj- lost cause. Bend your knees? Yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> um, is Sabalenka the favourite for the title, Pam? <sighs> um, you know, it's, it's always hard to bet on somebody who's been around a while to win their first major, who's had the kind of scar tissues she's had at majors. Um, I find Azarenka's trip to the semi fascinating. Mm. I kind of am curious about how Azarenka's going to play tomorrow. I think an Azarenka-Sabalenka final would be phenomenal. But Rybakina, I think, is going to also be incredibly hard to beat. Listen, Lynette, I was was fascinated to see today how Sabalenka, who has obviously been a big pick given her performance, she won in Adelaide, the way she's been performing the last few months, how she would handle the pressure of playing Donna to play Lynette because the Lynette's quarterfinal win over Pliskova happened right before Donna took on... Sabalenka and I really thought that pressure might help Donna's chances, but Sabalenka handled it well. Were you able to watch any of Magdalena? Yes, I did. I went out. I went out in person and watched. Because of course, you know, had Donna won, scouting job. Well, yeah, exactly. But then equally, that's the sort of prep time for for Donna's match. I don't know how you kind of manage that. Well, you know, I I keep my comments before a match. I'm out there for warm up. And I say a few things short and sharp. I don't overdo it. Nick's been around her a lot longer. So Nick was with her for most of the time leading up to the match. And I really like to see, in case Donna won, I wanted to see some of that first quarterfinal in person. So I went out courtside and watched the first set. 
And Lynette just played Lynette tennis, right? She gets she doesn't give a lot of free points away. She gets a ton of balls back. She's really a high IQ on the court. And Pliskova, I felt, wasn't on her game, and it didn't surprise me at all that Lynette won in straights. Is is tricky. She's tricky, yes. She's tricky. She's tricky. (laughs) Although rumors of an upgrade from tricky? Well, I always feel like I've used the word tricky to describe Lynette because I don't really know enough about her in a way. I I feel like I knew that she had had some results, that she caused a lot of players problems, and that clearly there was something in her game that, that troubled players. Like I thought she used Pliskova's pace so well and redirected the ball really well and came up with little angles and passing shots. All, all these sorts of things, I think, are tricky. But I sort of feel like now she's a Grand Slam semi-finalist, she's kind of graduated from that. We know her now. Like, she's, she's legitimately really good now. Like, I feel like she's moved into a slightly different category while maintaining those elements of her game, which... Um, which cause and dis- other players' problems and disrupt. Um, but yeah, I mean, she seemed seemed quite tight, didn't she? Sort of in her body language, but she wasn't letting it affect her tennis, and that that was impressive because it feels like a lot of people think you can get at Magdalenette with her nerves and whatever. But you know, playing the biggest match of her life, and she played like that. I was I was so impressed with her today. Well, paging someone that does know Magla- Magdalenette now, <laughs> David Law. You've had, you've had an eight-minute chat with her. I did, yeah. I, I, re- I was sent off for the BBC to interview her. And I don't think they quite expected me to have done the research that I did <laughs> into the interview or to get a proper good chinwag with her. I, I didn't either. Um, but I, I just remembered something from when she was playing against Emma Raducanu back in September. And I'd looked up her Twitter profile just to try to figure out a little more about her I guess we might have had a podcast that day and a couple of things that really struck me at the time she'd got the word entrepreneur written in her profile and um, wanting to help women in sport and business which it just struck me as well what a nice message but also unusual you don't usually hear a, a current pro tennis player describing themselves as an entrepreneur so I, I, I wanted to know about that from her. And I remembered also back then, Catherine had sent me a, a clipping of um, an interview she'd done on the WTA website from 2020, where she was describing how in 2018 she had split from her coach because he became her boyfriend. And obviously that's been a topic that we've repeatedly discussed with you Pam you're the one you're the one who started that conversation with us and we've we've come back to it a lot because it's it's an ongoing discussion point in the sport and here was a player who'd actually done it and actually recognized an issue from her personal experience and and decided to to stop the coaching element of it you've now heard that interview what what did you make of what she got to say Pam well, first off, it was the longest I'd heard uh, Magna Lynette speak, and I was really impressed. Uh, let me just say also, I'm really impressed overall by the WTA Player Council quality between Azarenka, mm. Pagula, Donna Vekic, Lynette. Um, I know I'm missing a few, but I feel like they have great quality, smart thinkers, experienced players 
So I have even more confidence in the player council. And, and to hear your interview with her and to hear her experience and how she was able to figure out how to grab back the boundary setting of just having a coach who was her coach. They tried it then just as boyfriend, girlfriend, and then they ended up breaking up. But I thought her insights, David, was really fascinating. I I wasn't all that keen about, you know, she said sort of a few times, well, if you're underage and it's sort of like stressing if you're under 18 or 18 or under certain rules. Now, I, I really feel like the rules, it shouldn't matter the age. It shouldn't be happening. But I, I kind of respected what she had to say, and I did like the perspective that she did try to draw, redraw the boundaries. And that's, I think, part of the reason why she's doing so well now is she now learned, and she has a coaching rapport, and I assume she's learned, and therefore, hopefully, a coach won't cross over the lines again. There was very much a feeling that she's taken control over her life and control over her affairs in, t- in total. And to get back to the point of wanting to be an entrepreneur, she said, I like to be the one that organizes. And I've been organizing my team for years. And so I feel like I'm going to have a lot to offer. And she said she likes the details mm. of uh, all that goes into. And as actually, I could relate to what Donna, Donna really impressed me here about. She was the one that was individually sending out all the tickets to her player box to all the people who needed it. She was asking questions. Did I need a lift from here to there or whatever? And I'm like, I was trying to take things off her plate, not add to them. That has actually been a real theme for me this week, being being up close with, with the players. This real distinction between the players that are grown-ups and have agency and the players that aren't. And I realise tennis kind of lends itself to creating this situation where players don't have that much agency and they're coddled and, they, you know, you have a whole team around you doing everything for you. You know, I know I'm not going to name any names, but... You know, tennis players, recently retired tennis players that I've worked with that don't know how to do ironing, you know, because ev- everything's... Why would you Why would you know how to do ironing? That's a, It's a flippant example, but it's illustrative of, of a situation, I think, in tennis. Completely selfish, demanding sport. People are offering to make, make all your decisions for you, so all you have to focus on is forehands and backhands. And it really struck me talking to, to Donna Vekic the other day in press, here is a grown-up. Here is a an adult woman who wants to and is capable of making decisions for herself while seeking advice from 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 people around her. And I, I got the, the breaking news today from my dad that Tommy Paul is on the boat. I'm sure Donna would be too, Pam. I just haven't asked him. I specifically asked him... <sighs> about about uh, about uh, Tommy Paul and I asked um for for quoting reasons for him to explain why uh, why Tommy Paul is on the boat and uh, his words were he's a grown up and bit more detail brackets he makes me think of a world war 2 era american gi i like the steady look in his eye <laughs> that's good um but it was those words he's a grown up mm. And there, there is this distinction. There was a moment in Arena Sabalenka's press today, and I don't want to be to be hard on her because this is not at all uncommon, really not uncommon. But you know, it's just in the forefront of my mind because she was asked a question, um, and it was a 
tricky-ish question. It was about the potential for an all-Belarusian final, which is very much on and would be a story if it were to happen. It's a story already, just the, the prospect of it happening. And she looked over to her agent, completely at sea, and said, what do I say? What do I say? Can, can I say anything? And I just thought, it's okay to say, sorry, I don't want to answer that question. You know, just... It was just a moment of sort of helplessness and childishness, which, again, is not uncommon. But those that do seem adult enough to really take responsibility for them for themselves and their decisions, they do stand out. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And let's face it, even with coaching aloud, giving little this, little that, you still have to make hundreds of decisions on the tennis court each and every match yourself so you might as well practice making decisions off the court as well and having ownership of your life having control knowing where you want to go having the right team all of that gives you that power that agency that you're talking about so I think it's it's a great thing worth noting Pam I've got one final question for you just given that you've now entered the coaching world and had this sample. She actually entered in May of last year. That's right. David, just to to clarify. (laughs) Matt spacing. Of course, of course, right. It's actually under the bio. Donovic, Matt Robert. I was a middle school coach of my kids. Oh, okay. Long list. Get your facts straight. I wasn't first. I got semifinals of the US Open wrong. Anyway, when you look around and you're you're surrounded by great ex-champions in women's tennis, in the commentary boxes that you, you inhabit, and, 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 you know, just generally, you, you, you've got so many friends who surely have so much to offer as coaches, and so few of them are coaches. Do you, do you hope, in a way, that you coaching Donna and seeing the success she's having and the, and the pleasure that you're getting from it, that maybe this might start a little bit of a thing? Well... Bring it on. Yeah, I do think I, – I, I, I did read Ben Rothenberg's tweet the other day, and I don't think his opinion where he said there, there's a lot of untapped knowledge and experience in a lot of women players who've been at or near the top that's not been asked to be a part of teams. Whereas I think – like I, I actually did think the last couple of years a few times if I'd been a guy with my CV – on and off the court as a commentator and as a player, I would have been asked to be an advisory coach already. Um, But it didn't happen. And and the only reason it happened here is by happenstance, I happened to just drive down to a local tournament in my region and make myself available to talk to a player. I wasn't looking to do this, but then it just happened. And I've had a great joy. I've loved it. Tennis keeps giving me new experiences. I'm I'm now in my 60s, and I just can't believe the experience I've had these two weeks to help Donna at a major. So I'm I'm looking forward to the future. It is kind of hard to juggle the commentating. I had to kind of put uh, like the ESPN work a little bit on the. It came in a little bit second at times. I didn't mean it to, but ESPN was very understanding. Most of the teams back in Connecticut calling matches, and it was just Darren, Renee, myself doing some bits and pieces from here. But um, it's really hard to juggle the two. But I have to kind of think about what I want 
from the sport and what I can give and who I want to help. So it's kind of an interesting um, crossroads, I think, for me late in my tennis life. Or not maybe that late. I don't know. Kind of late. <laughs> yeah, it's late. It's late. But I'm having a ball. It was, this was a great experience. Feels like the circus of life would be would be an appropriate quote. To, I was going to quote Elise Cornet. <laughs> yes, very good. It's never too. What is it? Never, never too late to try again. Never too late to try again. Yes. I like that. Mm. That was uh, Australian Open last year, wasn't it? As was the Circus of Life. <laughs> oh, that's right, because she <laughs> made her time. first quarterfinal yeah. in her entire life here yeah. last yeah. year. She gave us Drama Queen for the people, and it's never too late to try again, <laughs> all in one tournament. <laughs> Yes, Elise. And yes, Pam. Oh, it's so brilliant to see you in that player's box. And on a very personal level, we have loved living vicariously through you. I was embarrassed how much you've mentioned me during the whole Australian <laughs> Open. But at the same time, I was like, I was laughing and smiling and saying thank you. We have absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for coming, Pam. Even though you've got a party on a barge. Yeah, to I got to go to the barge. Got to go. <laughs> I wish that was some sort of euphemism, but Pam really has got to go to a party on a barge, folks. Uh, Maybe I'll find someone named Shelton. There. <laughs> right, I'm going to get at it again. I have one, one more word from you, Pam. Can anyone beat Djokovic? Sure. Okay. Tommy Paul. <laughs> on that note, Pam, party on a barge. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So Pam is quite literally at a party on a barge as we speak. We will next see her. Well, we might see her 
um, knocking around Melbourne Park for the remainder of this week, and we certainly hope we do. But the next time we'll see her at a tennis event will be at Indian Wells because we are going there thanks to On Location, our sponsors throughout the Australian Open, the premium hospitality and experience provider. They're taking us to Indian Wells. They're offering newsletter subscribers to the tennis podcast the chance to win a three-night stay at the Miami Open, a tournament hotel for two guests, two full days of tickets, day and night sessions to the tournament, Premium hospitality, that includes beer and wine. I want to enter Enjoy this. Enjoy that specificity. My dad actually has entered this. <laughs> Have you told him? <laughs> I mean, he is a newsletter subscriber. Yes, he is. Um, transportation to the venue included. My dad is obviously a big Talon Greek sport and Yuri Lehechka fan. He's been lured in by the promise of potential breakfast with one of those two. Um, who's our tennis player of choice today that you may or may not get to have breakfast with in Miami near <laughs> I think breakfast with Tamara Corpatch would be fun oh. I'm not sure she's getting main draw in Miami Matt she's around 70 in the world is she and even yeah, she if was she's... Ra- she was ranked higher than Emma Khanu here wasn't she and she could come through qualifying yeah so she'll, mm. she'll find a way to be there she'll <laughs> She could be in your vicinity, folks. If you would like to find a way to be there, competition winner or not, then check out Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours. They're offering a 5% discount to all friends of the tennis podcast throughout 2023. They've also just launched their 2024 Australian Open packages. So check out what they've got to offer. Come to any tournament you like. Tamara Corpatch will be at some of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> possibly um, the link to subscribe to the newsletter is in our show notes the URL to enter the competition is toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast now Pam thinks that Tommy Paul might have a chance a small chance but a chance of beating Novak Djokovic in the Australian Open semi-finals that will be the semi-final from the bottom half of the draw we know that because Novak Djokovic has just beaten Andre Rublev for the loss of seven games and Tommy Paul has beaten Ben Shelton well done Catherine uh, in four sets earlier on today Novak Djokovic beating Andre Rublev is no surprise him doing it in three sets is no surprise, I don't think, to any of us, not least to Andre Rublev. The nature of the defeat, though, a well, little bit of a surprise, it, I Well, think. certainly disappointing, yeah. I think, from an Andre Rublev perspective, because I think there was a, there was a chance for him to make, make it competitive tonight, because Djokovic didn't start the match the way that he started the other night. He wasn't crystal clear in his focus and his comfort out there he was irritable early on he was worried about the wind he did not like it was whipping around his clothes he was he 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 doesn't like the wind typically does he he's got the very precise produced strokes that are at their best when conditions are still I think Mm. um and he doesn't like it I think it just irritates him and he was feeling some some twinges, he, he, it appeared. So I just thought, if Rublev plays really well here, he could at least extend games, extend sets, call into question Djokovic's sort of demeanour and, and mood 
which which has been suspect in the early rounds here and was not an issue at all in the previous round. And he just didn't. He just kept on throwing in terrible rallies at the worst times and then it just tailed away and and I think I think it was a really disappointing performance from him. It was my least favourite type of tennis match to watch. A five-set match which is lost before it's even taken to the court, really, because it's lost mentally. Andre Rublev might have had the tennis to, as you say, challenge that version of Novak Djokovic that we saw tonight. Probably not win, but make it a heck of a lot closer than that. But... He was defeated mentally before it even started. And five sets of that, five sets of just playing something out, I find that a really off-putting spectacle. As somebody that just wants to see competitive tennis, you know, intensity, that that Vekic-Sabalenka match, a a one-sided scoreline, it had a lot of intensity to it. It had a competitive edge. Same with Pagula. Exactly. I'd have liked them to be even more competitive and to have gone to three sets. It's a shame that none of the the women's quarterfinals did. Um, And actually only one of the men's quarterfinals did. That was the Ben, Shelton and Tommy Paul match. But I found this a, a pretty grim watch, quite frankly. Yeah. I don't have too much more to say about it, really. Uh, Rublev's now lost all seven Grand Slam quarterfinals that he's played. Um, I think he he and Tommy Robredo share that unwanted record of having seven losses and zero wins in in Grand Slam quarterfinals. It does feel like such a ceiling for him. Um, I completely agree with David, like, there was a chance there to make Djokovic more uncomfortable than he did tonight. And I think, I think I've been, out of the three of us, the sort of, I think I've had the least big three, big two fatigue, I think. But I found tonight, like, a sort of real moment where I was like, you know, I'm seeing the five next to Rublev's name. He's the, he's the fifth seed here. And he's not even close to Novak Djokovic and look I know Novak Djokovic is quite possibly the greatest player of all time he's he's staggeringly good I don't expect Rublev to win but but he is 35 and but he, he is 35 he's and got and, he's and got he's a got compromised a, hamstring he's got a he's got mummified movement. leg you know there's there's things that are professional you know the world number five should be clinging to all the the world number six should be, you know, talking about the level of delusion that's required to be a top tennis player. There's things that can give you hope and help you convince yourself that you've got a chance. Mm. I, yeah, I, I was I was about as interested in this match as I would have been if it was the number 55 against Djokovic. And that, that shouldn't be the case. Rublev no. has got quality and we've, we've just, just never really The, the thing it. is, I, I thought that he might just might be removing the pressure from his shoulders by saying all that, that I've got no chance, and that it might even actually work, i.e. To, to relax him a little bit, maybe make it a hide into nothing for Djokovic, like he can't win, really, can he? He, he can go through to the next round, but he's supposed to win, so what, what's to gain? Well, it's just... It wasn't that, though, was it? It was actually Rublev genuinely didn't think he had any chance going onto the court, or at least that's what he said, pretty much. 
and that's how it came across in the match. So what else can you what else can you say? Another thing that was was said tonight by Novak Djokovic in the post match press conference was an an admission an admission of something that I think we knew and something David that you had interpreted in in Djokovic's dark look and sublime performance against Alex de Menor a couple of nights which is that he said in no uncertain terms tonight yes there is an added something playing here after what happened to me last year I want it that bit more I have an extra edge a quite a, a quite fearsome edge quite frankly yeah I think he does um doesn't surprise me um I, I think, well, if I if I felt slighted the way he feels slighted, I would probably have a bit of an extra edge as well, whether whether I agree with his stance on that or not. Um, but no, it's it does make it even harder for the rest. And 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 like I say, back, going back to the Federer years when when he was had the whole stadium against him, he just got better. So now this is the portion of the podcast where we hype up Tommy Paul against Novak Djokovic as the semi-final. Pam has, Pam has given us a boost, a, a leg up there by saying, sure, Tommy Paul <laughs> can beat Novak Djokovic. Not sure how much she she really believed that when she said it. They've they've never played before, Tommy Paul and Novak Djokovic, which is... Which didn't go well for Alex Dimonor. Which is interesting, and we thought it was no. interesting before that match, and it turned out... <laughs> Not to be interesting at all. Um, he does have an interesting game, though, Tommy Paul. And he's got this very calm demeanour. Um, I don't think he's going to beat Novak Djokovic. But who wants to hype it? <laughs> well, I do feel better about Paul going into this match than I did about Rublev. Why? Because, you know, in this whole balance of... Uh, going in with belief versus going with experience. Rublev went in with bad experiences. And, okay, he had actually beaten Djokovic before. It was in Belgrade, in fact. But it was a diminished version of of Djokovic. And we've seen good Djokovic against Rublev and it be one-sided. And Rublev has been on the receiving end of that. He knows how it goes. We know how it goes. We saw it again tonight. There's, There's an element of the unknown with Tommy Paul, which I suppose is what makes me more a little bit more excited about this match. You know, we just haven't seen it. There might be, we might get in these rallies and we might suddenly think, oh, Tommy Paul's actually got a bit of a good matchup here against Novak Djokovic. He can do things on the court that that can disrupt him. And he is so talented, Paul, that I'm so pleased that he is sort of making real, really good on that talent. I've always thought he could be really good, Can, can you Tommy explain Paul. that talent and what it is that he does? I mean, pe- people will be able to do that better than me, but to my eye, it's um, it's great hands. I was just thinking he's got he can he can pick the ball up, he can off his off his toes, he can redirect it with his backhand in particular. He hits that shot extremely flat, which I think skids through the court. He can he, hit winners like, off it. He's like an anti Felix Ogelia seam. He's an improviser, I think. Mm. Out there, it's not necessarily about patterns, feel and flair, and it's all mm. fe- not necessarily not and, and, and so much, solid, not so much flair. Um, it's it's more contained than that. It's not a Denis Shapovalov no. type. You know, he's not mm. going for the highlights reel, but there is a a 
a bit of something interesting. There certainly is feel and a willingness to improvise and an instinctiveness about his game, which is very appealing. Mm. Um, just great athlete we, as well. We, we had uh, Chris Clarion in the commentary box for for a while during our pre-show, which is called Tennis Breakfast on Five Live, and he was saying about Tommy Paul that within the USTA, when they've put them through the, their physical tests, him and Fritz and Tiafo, he comes out on top in terms of movement mm. and like he's got incredible reactions and, and that sort of thing, which I, I, I wouldn't have thought that because he's an unremarkable-looking athlete. He looks sort of straight up and down, doesn't he? He's David with the low-key takedowns in <laughs> the last off, 24 hours. Not very good. Tommy, Tommy Paul, unremarkable. not that good. <laughs> but I think this guy is better than he looks. In, mm. like, I think he's more athletic than he looks. He's a better player than he looks. He's beating people. And, you, and I'm not entirely sure how he's doing it because, I, because it's not glaring. But he's... The way he handled Ben Shelton's power today, yes, he, he he lost a set, but I think that was that was partly due to Shelton's just demeanor and and his appetite for the fight. He competes incredibly hard, and he's got a big game. And I think Tommy Paul suddenly saw the finish line and realized what what he was about to mm. achieve, and 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 got got nervy, and and that's totally understandable. But his handling of the power was really impressive you know he he's his dexterity and his mm. his ability to redirect a ball that's blasted at him with topspin and he just picks it up on half volley and sends it the other way very very impressive and i thought okay there there was that one game where he very clearly suddenly suffered from the the nerves of seeing the finish line um, when he went to to serve for the match or was it serving to get to 5 yeah he was serving at 4-3 up in the third and he yeah. lost that and then he lost his serve again um, yeah, and then, yeah, and ended up losing set. that set, getting taken to a fourth. So one little wobble, but overall, thought he dealt with the occasion of that being his first Grand Slam quarterfinal remarkably well. And okay, it probably helped that he was against somebody in exactly the same position with even less experience. But still, I don't think that calmness can be underestimated as a a trait for for Tommy Paul, and you know it'll it it'll be a weapon against Novak Djokovic and he'll need it. He'll need every weapon he can possibly get his hands on. But I think he can make it a little bit interesting. Yeah, I think he can. I, I, do, I do imagine there's some listeners thinking, where's he been? You know, because he's had a good couple of years, hasn't he? A really good couple of years. But we've been talking about Fritz and Tiafo for, for years and he hasn't really been talked about that much and yet he won French Open Juniors didn't he so he's been, he's been a bit off the rails hasn't he he's had a he's had a few issues yeah he's he's taken his time but then you know Taylor Fritz took his time yeah that's it, right as well up that's until a year ago maybe even up until you know he won Indian Wells last year everybody was saying Taylor Fritz has really stalled and he was talked about a lot as an 18 19 year old former junior world number one junior Grand Slam champion in that crop with Tommy Paul and Riley Apelka. But then he really, really stalled. Yeah. Um, and so it's easy, you know, now that Taylor Fritz is 
delivering on his talent or looks like he might be about to deliver on his talent. We've sort of revised how we talk about him, but he took his time as well. And, you know, Tommy Paul perhaps even more so, but he did get thrown off his path a bit very early in his career, you know, by his own making, but he was... He was very young. He when he was it was twenty seventeen, wasn't it, Matt, that this happened? So he would have been what he's twenty five now. I'm doing some on the hot math. So he would have been twenty nineteen, twenty years old. I think he'd been given a wild card into the main draw of the singles and doubles by the USTA as a, a promising young player and, and top junior. He had lost first round in the singles, was due to play doubles the next day with partner Steve Johnson. Obviously went out, had a had a heavy night, perhaps on a barge somewhere. <laughs> um, showed up for his doubles match the next day. I think they were scheduled first on. Was apparently still drunk from the night before. And I'm not condoning this, but let's all admit this is very funny as a headline. Lost six love, six love in 35 minutes to uh, Fabio Fanini and Simone Bellelli. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result of that, got kind of thrown out of the bosom of the USTA, lost their lost their support, lost that pathway. Um, and I suspect that deviated his course a little yeah. bit early on in his career. And Chris said he, he, he has had some attention deficit issues. Not that he was saying he has had ADHD, but that he's had some focus issues um, which he's only sort of come to terms with in recent years, or he's, he's only he's found his way, and he's got a coach in Brad Stein who's vastly experienced and who's a really hard taskmaster as well. I think he's found the right coach as well. I think they're a good combo. I remember interviewing Brad Stein for our tennis we lived on Jim Courier, and and I was telling the story earlier today on on the BBC about how Brad had told us that he went through a bit of a midlife crisis for a while wondering whether he'd actually brought anything positive to Jim Courier's career. And, and, and he, so he asked him, and Courier said, oh, yeah, you know, you, if it wasn't for you, I'd have, I'd have been in that car park in Rome and and having a bad attitude, and, and I wouldn't have won the French Open. And, and, he, and he, he, I sense that with Tommy Paul, he's, it's a real lease of life to, see, to have a, a player like that that is like Pam said, you know, is listening and taking the right things and producing semi-finals of the Australian Open. It's brilliant. But also being a grown-up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It. So it has that, it's that sweet spot, isn't it? Mm. You want to take the advice, but not be take unable to... Be open to it, be humble enough to, to take the advice, mm. but also be adult enough to, to have agency and not entirely rely on those around you. That is... That is the sweet spot, and he seems to seems to be in it. And look, at the very least, that is a match I will look forward to. I was not looking forward to Rublev Djokovic tonight, and I feel like I've been vindicated in those feelings. I am looking forward to Novak Djokovic against Tommy Paul. Mm. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, just quickly on on Ben Shelton. Um, I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, an incredible run for him, regardless of what happened today. He's inside the world's top 50 now, which, you know, from a purely selfish perspective, means we'll get to see him, Yeah. you know, week in, week out now. We're going to 
get to see him at Indian Wells. You know, hopefully we'll get to, to interview him at Indian Wells. He'll be in Miami. So the Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tools tournament winner, will competition winner, will possibly get to see him. Possibly at breakfast. Who knows? <laughs> um, and that's really exciting. I suddenly realised, oh, it's not going to be a, you know, catch a glimpse of him while you can because he's not a full-time tennis player yet. He's going to be around and that's great for tennis. Yeah, because he's exciting. He's full-hearted. He really wants it, you can tell. And, and he's, I think it was really impressive, I don't know what you thought, to be two sets to love down, two tight sets and not to just go away. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I felt he showed a lot there. And also he seemed to be kind of on his last legs physically and still persevered and managed to bring that third set to life and and take it to a fourth set. I saw today that he he really needs to work on his return. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about how good his serve is. I think, he, you know, he, he went through a couple of rounds here without even getting broken. I think he held 68 games in a row. The serve is great. I felt like Tommy Paul was cruising on serve for most of this match. I mean, Shelton just wasn't getting near it. And I don't actually think Paul is necessarily even one of the very best servers on, on the ATP Tour. So did feel like there's quite a, quite a lot of progress to make there. He's also talked about working you know, on his physicality still. He felt like he was nowhere near where he needs to be at the US Open. He's a lot better now, but still further to go. What an exciting time, though, of his career to be able to, you know, make those improvements. And he's already good enough to have reached the, reached the Grand Slam quarterfinal on, on his first ever trip outside of the US. I know that that line is getting, you know, is, is doing the rounds, but I still think it's absolutely phenomenal um, what he's done this week. And uh, yeah, just so, just so excited to, to see more of him. Here. Yeah here in uh, in both doubles and sensations news david some player luisa stefani and her partner rafael matos are through to the mixed doubles final and i'll tell you what you've got to be some player to beat sensations on the yeah. rod laver arena that's and right. that's exactly what they have and done and they saved a tonight. match point because i watched watched <laughs> it out the corner of my eye while i was recording <laughs> and in that mixed doubles final david they will play Sanya Mirza and Rohan Bapana, who have a combined age of 78 years old. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, they beat Ken Skubsky, Neil Skubsky, rather. Oh, God. Ken Skubsky's God. coaching. God. Oh, here we go again. First name itis again. He's coached by Ken. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah brother Ken. Um, Neil Skubsky and Desiree Kravchuk. A bit of a nightmare day for Neil Skubsky because he lost in the men's doubles as well. Top seed with Wesley Kuhlhoff. Um, they lost to Sensations, R- Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler, 6-3, 6-1. Um, unconfirmed reports that Hijikata and Kubler are revolutionising the sport. <laughs> They're very, very good as, as a doubles team. I mean, they, they were the ones I was watching over Matt's shoulder in Garden Square. And they're just a really spectacular doubles team, full of energy and emotion and um, and shot making as well. So... Crikey, I think we're going to have some good doubles climaxes here. Yeah, a bit of real blow that, I think, for, for Kuhlhoff and Skubsky because they're the world number ones. They, uh, you know, they had an awesome season last year, the, the dominant world number ones. But Grand Slam success has 
eluded them you know mm. that is a real miss on on their cv as a partnership and everyone that goes by will feel like a lost uh missed opportunity i think but it will be um rinky hijikata and jason kubler to play marcel granois and horatio zabayos in the semis and the other semi is the french team of shardy and martin against the polish team of nice and Zelinski. the women's double semi-finals are set that'll be barbora krejcikova and katarina siniakova against marta kostjuk and elena gabriella rusa rus Rusa, Rusa, I think. Rusa, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they knocked out semi sensations Storm Hunter and Elisa Mertens today. Big result. Uh, the other semi final is Coco Goff, Jessica Pagula against the Japanese pairing of Iwama and Shibahara. These are these are good semi finals. Yes, and and I should say, and the only reason I know this is because I made this mistake earlier. Nice and Zelinski are not an all Polish pair. Oh, have they, I misread some flags? Well, they have very similar flags. Oh, uh, God, Zelinski is Polish, and that's white on top of red. And Hugo Nice is from Monaco, and that's red on top of white. I really should have known that. But it, it, it does look very, very similar when they're side by side. I feel like that is a side. horrible booby trap. Mm. Oh, it is. I made that mistake earlier. Yeah. I'm annoyed about that. Because <laughs> you, you're good with your flags. Who's, mm. who's from Monaco? I was briefly. Yeah, he's, but that's what I mean. It's a nation of, of expats, he's, isn't it? He's, he's French-born Monegasque. I think. Mm. Okay. Can't believe I didn't spot the flag. <laughs> like um, Leclerc. Charles yes. Leclerc, he's a Monegasque, isn't he? There's only two of them. Anyway, <laughs> I've fallen into the trap. <laughs> <laughs> they've, had a great, they've had a great tournament. They beat uh, Ram and Salisbury, didn't they? They did. Yeah, they did. Um, so I think that should probably be it before I have to say any more any more names because apparently I, I can't do that anymore. The schedule for tomorrow is that uh, men's doubles semi-final featuring the um, the troll pair of Nice and Zelinski up against Shardy Martin. That's not before 1pm on Rod Laver Arena after a Legends doubles match. Then it is the second men's doubles semi-final. Then... At 7 p.m. local time, there is a presentation for the original nine. And um, if possible, I'd encourage everybody to watch that. They're being honoured here. We went to a press conference with seven members of the original nine uh, today. Brilliant fun. We'll uh, we'll give you some um, some lines from that one later on today, uh, uh, later on in the tournament. Um, because it was very interesting. So try and tune into that if you can. And then it's the women's semi-finals tomorrow night. Elena Rabakina against Victoria Zarenka and then Magda Lynette against Arena Sabalenka. We have our mascot for the tournament. That is Cordelia. Hello, Cordelia. She's lovely. David's got Maisie. I've got Xenia and Matt's got Darwin. We all scored points today. Hooray for us. us Billy Jean has Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks, Jamie Drew and Hannah. They're our executive producers. And we have shout outs. We have Mariana, who is in Corfu. Hello, Mariana. And any, any other details about Mariana? Uh, she says that she's half Irish, half Greek, and through family circumstances, has travelled all around the world, but settled in 
Corfu for good. And she says that with all the sort of moving around she's done in her life, she describes tennis as her security blanket through various cultural changes. Oh. I am going to assume that that's phrase. a Stefanos Sitsipas fan. Yes. Hello, Mariana. Thank you very much for being our friend. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. We've also got Kristin Brackmeyer in Alexandria, Virginia. All right, Kristin. All right, Kristin. Like, no, I've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Me neither. (laughs) Uh, Virginia sounds nice, though. Yeah. Mm. Like Virginia Wade. Right, there we are. She plucked one out of the bag, kind of. Thank you, Kristen. She can't do names, but she can do that. <laughs> and finally, Brian Terry, who is from Albany, New York. Like Brian Shelton. Yes, Catherine. Yes, she's on fire <laughs> right at the end of the pod, she's just in the nick of time. Weird. Thank you ever so much, Brian. That was meant to be, wasn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Pam, for appearing on the pod. She's not listening. She's recovering from a barge party. Partying hard. <laughs> uh, thank you to all our friends of the pod. Thank you to On Location and Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours for sponsoring the pod and sending us to Indian Wells. There are four more days to go, folks. We are pumped. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.